What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to the final episode of Philly vs. the World for Season 1, Episode 13, and probably one of our favorite podcast episodes to record because we just had the draft on Thursday. We had a great live event, draft day, at the draft horse, a little event that three of us here from Philly versus the world was part of. And now we get to talk about it, guys. I am so excited for our last episode. We're going to just dive right into the madness that was the NFL draft. So my first question for you fellas, it's a, it's a pretty general question. There's always winners and there's always losers for the draft. So my question to you guys is after the draft concluded on, on Saturday, all seven rounds, which team had the best draft? And which team had the worst draft? And guys, a little surprise, but but the person, the team that I think I had the, the best draft is New England Patriots. Because I think they were a team, they they made they they went for a lot of additions that they needed to make on their team. Let's go. First pick with a 32nd overall pick in the first round, they went with the big frame wide receiver Nikhil Harry from Arizona State. Clearly, the Patriots they needed another weapon to supplement. Julian Edelman and Chris Hogan leaving, and obviously the uncertainty of Josh Gordon. Is he going to be back? Is he not going to be back? Tom Brady needs a big target wide receiver, especially with Rob Gronkowski retiring. I think getting to kill Harry late in the first round, I believe he was the second wide receiver off the board, only behind Marquise Hollywood-Brown. The Patriots got themselves another big receiver to help Tom Brady. I really like that. Then they get a defensive back in Joe Con- in Joe, Joe John, Jawan Williams from Vanderbilt. The corner, obviously... They need some help in the secondary. They went out there and got that. Then, Chase Winovich, which something just tells me this screams a stud. This is remind. This is makes. This is a great pick for for Bill Belichick. I really like this pick. They need another guy to play the end, kind of a leader that could play linebacker and defensive end after losing Trey Flowers to the Lions. Chase Winovich, he fills that. And then you look at some other the picks they had. Damian Harris, running back, Alabama. I love that. Now you have Sonny Michelle. You have James White. You have Rex Burkett. Now you have Damian Harrison. Just shows you. Bill Belichick, he loves switching up running backs. He doesn't like committing to one guy. Then later on, too, as well, they get Jared Stidenham, who I thought probably would have been one of the most underrated quarterbacks late in the draft, quarterback from Auburn, to maybe be the successor for Tom Brady. So good draft for for the Patriots, in my opinion. They kind of got younger when their key guys are older. As far as a bad draft, New York Giants. Daniel Jones with a sixth pick. I mean, just ridiculous. They could have got him at pick 17. They could have probably got him. In the second round, perhaps, but but definitely pick 17. I think taking the guy like that at six was just a reach. Imagine if they could have got Josh Allen at pick six and then got Daniel Jones at 17 and then got DeAndre Baker in the first round. That looks a lot better than just Daniel Jones, Dexter Lawrence, and DeAndre Baker in the first round. Mm-hmm, Chris, and I feel like judging the winners and losers of a draft really comes down to you know fit and where players are falling. And for me, one of them is the Tennessee Titans and how their draft was kind of unique in a number of ways. But they managed to get one of the top wide receivers on the draft board in A.J. Brown in the second day. And I thought that that was awesome that they were able to, I, I understand their pick in the first round, Jeffrey Simmons wasn't exactly, you know, isn't a ready-now player, but I'm speaking as a Cowboys fan, a guy who went through the Jalen Smith pick, you can pick a guy, a, a top-talent prospect in a later round and wait on him, and that investment can turn out well. So I think the Titans have a really good shot, and I'm glad they were able to fill that wide receiver need. I, I feel like the Miami Dolphins were another team, you know, being able to nab Josh Rosen on, you know, from the Cardinals with very little assets, really, to give up. Big win for them. Of course, the Giants are an easy loser to pick. Uh, I mean, if you really have a conviction 
on Daniel Jones at number six. I guess you go with it. We won't really know till time goes on to see if that was really a bad pick. But I'm going with the Oakland Raiders because after trading away two, you know, top five talents at their position, I would say currently, they really received not much back. A, a real gamble pick at Cle- uh, Cleveland uh, Farrell. For, not Cleveland Farrell. Farrell, yeah, I forgot. John knows exactly how to pronounce this guy's well, name. Well, Farrell. I'm sorry. He's Cleveland got, Farrell. He's got, he's got him locked down. <laughs> I don't know about Oakland. The guys they picked up were a bit puzzling. Once again, it's tough to just say, you know, they're going to be awful, but I don't know if the return they got for Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper was really that worth it. So I'd put Oakland Raiders as one of the losers of this draft. Really? Okay. I would think that the Raiders are one of the winners in this draft. I like what they did. Obviously, Cleveland Furrell wasn't worth the number four pick, and the Raiders try to trade back, but it takes two to tango. We all know that. So they identified a guy that they really liked, and they grabbed him. Mm-hmm. So you got to commend them for that. It's easy to say that the Giants are the worst drafters in the entire league, but, I mean, I think we could all agree that they did have a bad draft. <laughs> and uh, But as far as the best draft, Chris, I like what you said about the Patriots. I agree with you. I'm going to go with the Arizona Cardinals because – it's easy to pick the number one player in the entire draft. And Kyler Murray, he wasn't my number one player, but he was the best player for the Arizona Cardinals at that spot. And it's easy to mess up on that pick, too, because you could always overthink the number one pick. But to surround Kyler Murray with players that are familiar with the air raid offense, like Hakeem Butler, uh, Keyshawn Johnson, and tight end Caleb Wilson and then they also got Michael Dogby who's a D tackle here at Temple he's a dog I don't know about a dog I mean (laughs) well we'll we'll see about that but I like Andy Isabella too the wide receiver from UMass it might have been a little too early to draft him but I still like the pick defensive end Zach Allen he's a good player gotta admire the Byron Murphy pick grabbing him in the top of the second round he was a guy who was projected to go to top 20 so I really like what the Cardinals did Mm -hmm. All right, fellas, let's switch leagues over from the NFL draft where prospects are being chosen for the upcoming season into the NBA where teams are fully into the NBA playoffs. Second round going on right now. Golden State-Houston, the marquee Western Conference matchup happening in the semifinal versus the conference final, which I'm sure we would all prefer. Yesterday, James Harden said he just wants a fair shot from the officiating crew after the Rockets lost 104-100 to to the Warriors on Sunday. Guys, are the referees hindering Harden from beating Golden State, or is this misguided frustration? And Coach Mike D'Antoni came out following this and said, to his count, four missed calls on three-pointers on James Harden, which is a total of 12 free-throw shots. Big gap, big gap. League's two-minute report came out afterwards, regarded a few missed calls, but said that there were some calls that they stand by. So... There, There is a mixed commotion about this. Twitter's kind of going crazy because the Warriors' hate is starting to, to pile over, so people look at the f- officials more. But you have to understand, the officiating crew goes through film of games before they watch games. Just like players go through film, the officiating crew goes through film. And they know the Rockets, one of their key, one of their, their best things that they do is shooting threes and drawing fouls on threes. And that is something that they will go to lengths beyond you know, the normal to do. This is something James Harden did in his landing spots, trying to draw fouls, trying to flop. I don't think the referees are costing the Rockets this series because while there may have been a few missed calls, in the end, this Houston team can't rely on three-point foul shots as their 
common denominator to destroy the Warriors. You have to rely on your defense. You have to rely on outshooting the Warriors, on playing Rockets basketball versus focus, being hyper-focused on a few free throws and making it all about that. That is not the reason they lost this basketball game yesterday. It's frankly because in the first quarter they shot something around 2 for 18 from 3, and they just keep jacking them up, and I'm honestly surprised they stayed that close in it. So I wouldn't blame the refs. I wouldn't be surprised if they call a, a much you know, a, a much more stingy game in Game 2, and I wouldn't be surprised if this series gets a lot more heated a lot quickly. You see, this, this is really funny because we've all played sports growing up, right? And we always wanted to, you know, to complain about the referees or the umpires. And, and what do our parents always tell us? Oh, come on, don't blame them or blame yourself, right? That's what coaches like to say. And here we go. We have an NBA superstar on here who lost a game to the best team in the NBA, and he wants to point the fingers at the refs and say it's their fault. Well, to Drew's point, they weren't shooting well in the first half. Sometimes James Harden looks like when he's playing playoff games, he doesn't finish well. We saw that last year. He couldn't, he couldn't really close out those games against Golden State. That's the reason why they didn't advance. It's not because of the referees. I hate how everybody thinks, oh, referees have a vendetta against players or teams. You know what? I complain about referees sometimes, too, when I'm watching games, when I'm playing softball, but that's part of the game. But to say that's the reason why you lost, come on, man. We all know that's not the reason why you lost a game. To the point of, you know, when, when the Rams and the Saints, they were playing the NFC Championship game, and the Rams got that no pass interference call on defense, and everybody was going crazy saying they blew this, they blew it for the Saints. The Saints tried to petition. They made this whole big fiasco about it. Sure, you could point the fingers and say that it had something to do with it at the end, but it, the Saints couldn't close the game. They couldn't finish it up. They couldn't put a bow on it, put it under the tree, and finish it. They couldn't do that. Same thing with the Rockets. The Rockets, the Warriors have their number in the playoffs. James Harden, although he might be the MVP during the regular season, he can't finish off the Warriors. So what's the easiest thing to do? Point fingers at the referees when they make one mistake. Don't point the fingers at the referees. Just play better. Close the game. Play up to the standard of the player that we all see you as and the player that the, the media portrays you as. I watched the game. I watched that shot. And honestly, it looks like James Harden sprang his legs or sp- yeah. like – forward way too forward the landing spot. yeah the landing spot whole ordeal is bs and james harden found a loophole and the loophole did not work in this game and i give it to the refs usually these punks like to give those uh calls right away because they know it'll be better for the nba if the rockets somehow tie that game i think james harden needs to just calm down listen it's game one you have plenty of time to go win a game especially because you guys only lost by four points mm-hmm. in Golden State. I understand that the officials cause teams to lose, but in that situation, I'm on the NBA side. The Rockets lost that game fair and square. Okay, let's go to the Philadelphia Eagles. They just concluded the draft just like all teams in the NFL. What are your thoughts on the Eagles draft class? And I'll go first. I thought it was an okay draft. I thought it could have been a lot better, and but or it could have been a way worse. My opinion, I would have given the draft a B minus as a whole. I did not like Andre Dillard. His new nickname is Andre Lizard for me. <laughs> but I think Andre Dillard, he's a soft player. And he did not run block a lot in college. His bench press reps was 24. Miles Sanders had 20. Raquel Armstead, a running back at Temple, had 23. Tell me how a guy who only has 24 reps on the bench is going to be able to maintain defensive ends in the NFL. Because he's an elite pass pass blocker. Okay, I get that. But he did not 
run block at all in college. And he's soft. Hold on. And he's not aggressive at all. I heard him speak, right? I take a, I take a lot into account the way a player carries himself. And honestly, he seems like a very nice guy, Andre Diller. But he's not somebody I would want on my defensive line or offensive line. He's not, he doesn't have that nasty to him. He doesn't have that attitude of, I want to kick that guy's ass. It's almost like, oh, let me just help you off the ground type attitude. <laughs> and I don't want man. that on my offensive line. Oh, man. Uh, I mean, I just. But hold on. Miles Sanders, great pick. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, I think he's going to be a solid player. Sharif Miller, we'll see what he does on the defensive end. The Eagles picked up Delvon Randall, the undrafted yeah. free agent safety from Temple, so I'm looking forward to that. And don't take Jordan Howard out of this drafting class because yeah, Jordan and Howard Deshaun Jackson too. Yeah, so, I mean, John, you, man, you acted like a five year old when, when their parents told them they could not get ice cream when they drafted. <laughs> that's what, that's what you said on the show today. Know, and honestly, that is not that is not like even close to the way I acted. But you I appreciate sat over it. there and pouted. Drew, you were there. Did he not act like? <laughs> wait, whoa, whoa, no. Parents... I'm saying no. I'm saying I acted worse than that. Well, sure. I, I mean, wa- sure, but I mean, it just like you got mad, you walked away. It was kind of like, no, John, sorry, we can't get ice cream. We'll get it tomorrow. And you're like, <laughs> but I don't no, even- I want it now. And you got him mad. I, and you but the thing is, I don't even like ice cream that much. Yeah, I wasn't, and we weren't allowed. You don't like Andre Dillard though. You were, <laughs> no, no, that's what you, were, I'm saying. you walked away. You sat down. You were upset. You didn't. You didn't so come pissed. back on the draft show. I was so Man, pissed. I don't know, John. Sometimes you look into things too much, and I think you're looking into this. Oh, he didn't. He doesn't sound great when he talks. I don't know, man. I think you're just reaching for other Even reasons. Even the way he played. Chris, I swear to God, no, okay, I no, saw no. this guy knock down somebody, and he held them back up. <laughs> all right, but, like, I, all right, look, I don't care. That, that's sportsmanship. It, it's no, whatever. it's not sportsmanship. If you're going to talk about his tape and say, oh, he's soft on blocking, sure, I, I'll, I'll take you on that. But just say because he doesn't seem like this big, bad, tough guy when he's taking his press conferences and he's helping people up. That I just think you're fishing but for more reasons. But even his reason. play. You're just fishing for reasons. Okay, but you just play. If you see that with his play, then that's fine. That's, that's what I'm saying. Story. No, but, no, but you're, talking saying, about, you're talking about, oh, how when he talks, he doesn't sound like a big, tough offensive lineman. And, and, he, and what else did you say? Um, he didn't have a lot of bench presses on the bench press. I don't look into that because guess what? I could do Why? a lot of bench presses on the bench press. How Am many I can you do, Chris? How many can you do, no, Chris? No, I'm not going into the combine. How many can you do, for how Chris? Much? The way that they do it at the combine, 225. 225. For a guy that doesn't yeah. work, I could probably do like seven or eight. Okay, seven or eight, right? Miles Sanders, who's way smaller than Andre Dillard, had 20. It doesn't, but 20. you can't look yeah, into it. Armstead had 23. I see guys at the gym. He's soft. I see smaller guys at the gym lifting heavier weights. Sometimes bigger guys. It's also the way your body's shaped, the way your arm is shaped. Yeah. Some people don't He's also has He also has short arms for a left tackle. But if every— Which, short arms, ready, Drew? This is what I know about working out. When you have shorter arms, you should get more reps on the bench. He's still got 23. I'm sorry, but this was the wrong but pick. But if we're going to go by combine numbers, yeah. should no, 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 DK no, no. Metcalf but, be the sixth pick in the draft? No, absolutely. Like, no, listen, I understand what you're saying. But a lot of people like to point to his numbers, and I'm pointing to his play also. I told you, the way he played the game, it seemed like he was a soft prospect. Mm-hmm. He helped guys out. He didn't even knock them down a couple times. His teammates did, and then he still helped them up. But I, this guy is just, I don't know. I, don't I think like you're just fishing attitude. for every reason possible to not like him. I you're didn't gonna, like him be, prior be like, to the oh, draft. Then I he, not say he was the most overrated prospect before the Eagles draft? Oh, he likes strawberry milk over chocolate milk? That's it. I hate this guy even <laughs> no, more now. No, in all seriousness, before <laughs> no, the Eagles drafted you, him, you, I you, even you, said this guy's like overrated. No, you didn't like him. And that's what I'm saying. No, I'm not denying that fact. I'm not denying that fact. I'm not saying that you're like, But I'm just saying, the bench press... 
You can't look at that because that doesn't why? tell someone straight. That doesn't. It, it doesn't. Then why do they do you're, it? You're, but why do they do half these combine things? It's entertainment. He That's should why be. They no. do it. He is going to be protecting no. Carson Wentz, backing up for passes for years to come if everything goes goes according to plan for you. So it should not matter that he helps people up or that his his combine wasn't tip top because if he's a great pass blocker and an a- and turns into an average run blocker for your team that's the Philadelphia Eagles system that's what you need and so if you get a top 6 o-line prospect at number 22 and he guards Carson Wentz like Carson Wentz needs to be guarded, then none of this matters. If okay, the Jets he, traded down and got him at 22, I'd be happy with it. Okay, I don't know about fine. you with the Cowboys. If they, trade, if they somehow had a first-round pick and they were sitting at that spot. I they wouldn't would've... because our team is a running team. Right. But, but for a passing team, for a team that take that wants to take 40 to 50 passing attempts, Carson Wentz can be safer I if he's not it. being sacked in that I, backfield. I get it. But also, he admitted that he didn't love the game, or he hated the game of football when he first started playing. He only played because his dad played. And he didn't fall in love with it until high school. Like, this is a guy where his dad was in the NFL. He didn't fall in love with the game until high school. Well, like, Rockell like, Sins only played for six seasons. No, 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 no. But also, no, no, no. This is totally different because when you're a father – when you're being raised by an NFL player, you should love that sport. Normally, you would love that sport right away. You don't hate it the way he said it. Like he, Honestly, this just feels like I'm good at it. I'm going to pursue it. I don't think he loves the game. Mm. Honestly, this was one of the most overrated prospects in the entire draft, and I said that before the the draft even started. That's why I was upset about the pick. And that's not bad. I, I definitely vibe with you being upset about a pick. If you are studying your prospects and you see a prospect and you say, I don't like them, and then your favorite team picks them, uh, easily I would be upset. But also, there were other offensive tackles on the board I'm sure you would have pre- preferred, but... As far as the the positional pick, I just wanted to say this is very important. It's a good, Eagles yes, are, absolutely. Eagles fans I agree. get too in love with their old offensive linemen, yes. and they need to start getting into this mode of we need to draft high offensive linemen so that they can move on in our system. I agree. I, I'm curious before we move on, who would you want the Eagles to go with in that pick if they would have went with an offensive line? I would have never traded up. I would have wanted to trade back. But, but if, if they traded up still, who uh-huh. would you want in that spot that's an offensive lineman besides Dillard? Who else would you want then? I didn't like the offensive line at that spot. Okay. I didn't. I didn't want an offensive lineman at that. Who would you have wanted? Who was available? Any player. At, say you don't trade up at. 25. Marquise Brown. Wide receiver, Oklahoma. Okay. Fair enough. That's something. Not a guy who his nickname is going to be Lizard. <laughs> Lizard, Andre okay? Lizard. The softy that he is. My God, I can't believe it. Honestly, I would rather have Mark DiGiovanni out there protecting <laughs> Carson. All right, wait. <laughs> what? You got to keep that in the podcast. And he told Mark that to his face. I said that to Mark's face. And Mark's like, yeah, I agree. But Mark yeah. liked Andre Dillard. Chris, let's move to your team real quick. What did you think of your team's draft besides the Quinn Williams pick? Obviously, the best player in the draft slides to three. Anytime that happens, it's a good deal. But talk to me. Well, what impressed you about the draft? Well, Were you happy with it? Well, John, I-, I think after the Jets' first three or four picks, I was kind of unhappy with it. Because I liked Quinton Williams, obviously. Then in the third round, they get Ja'Kai Polite from Florida, who I talked about in our show today. I love that. The Jets were so high on him. Sure, he might be a head case off the field, on the field, but he's hoping to grow. He's going to get a situation right away in New York to be a pass rusher and a pass rusher the Jets desperately need. So hopefully the Jets saying, look, you're a third-round pick. We believe in you to be a starter. That kind of cleans up his act. I love that. Um, I like the offensive tackle, uh, tackle, Chuma Adoga from USC, who— Apparently, Sam Donald has talked well about. I was gonna say it's his former team. Yeah, I, 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 he got the highest pass blocking efficiency rating 
in the draft at 93%. I think the Jesus, reason the reason, nice. the reason why they like him is I think it's because he's going to be a type of guy where we know Le'Veon Bell, who the Jets acquired, likes to do the stop-and-go kind of patient thing. I think he's a physical guy who fits perfectly for what Le'Veon wants to do, kind of, you know, be strong and, and block the screen passes, block the short passes, give Sam Darnold some more time. I like that pick. Then they go with a tight end who I didn't really know much about, who's only had about, I think they say only nine career catches, I believe. Oh, in, the blocking tight end. In, in Trevin Wesco. But yes. Uh-huh. I saw some tweets saying that one analyst said he could be, they, could, they said he's a baby Gronk. I don't know how much I'm buying uh, into that. I hate it when people do I don't that. know how much I'm buying into that, but I do like the sign. I do like the pick because he is a big physical guy. He hasn't had a lot of exposure at West Virginia. I think he only had one or two touchdowns total there. But, I mean, he's a great blocking tight end. I think that's what the Jets need. He really is a guy that could help out Chris Herndon, who's going to be suspended the four games of the season because of PEDs. And then, though, later in the rounds, they get this guy, Blake Cashman, an inside linebacker from Minnesota. Seems like a gritty type of guy. He's a... Went from walk-on to captain, but he's had a couple of surgeries on his shoulders and his knees. I don't really see the need for an inside linebacker. They could have went cornerback there. Um, and then the last one, they went with this guy, Austin. Uh, I'm sorry, Blayson Austin from from Rutgers, a cornerback. At that point, you're just taking your flyer on a guy. I'm really actually upset the Jets missed out on Akeem Butler in the third round. Yeah, you liked him a lot. They, they, they were sitting there at pick, I believe, third or fourth, and Arizona took him with the first pick, and then the Jets traded back. I think that was the guy they wanted. Yeah. I would have liked him in the, in, in the third round because that's a guy right there. You you plug him in, he's going to start from day one. He's mm-hmm. going to be other side, Robbie Anderson, Quincy, and Nua. Um, I really wish they, they, they did more in the secondary. There's a couple times where they picked, with, exactly when they picked Cashman, a guy named Chris Boyd from Texas was still on the board mm-hmm. who – I think he's a guy who can get a good chance. He's six foot one. I thought, you know, physical corner, I thought they could have went there with it. But I really love the Quinny Williams pick. I really love the Ja'Kai Polite pick. I really am happy to see what Adoga can do. I think that's a good pick. Obviously, there were some good words there. Excited about Trevin Wesco. His stats don't pop out to me, but if he's as good as a blocking tight end as everybody says he is, I'm fine with that. The last two picks, though, not too happy with it. I'd have to give the Jets a, a B plus for the draft. Okay. B plus. Drew, let's go to your lousy team. Yeah, my lousy team. Uh, so, so I'm looking at our picks, and so we had um, we had our our first rounder, which we picked uh, wide receiver Amari Cooper out of Alabama. You just with. love throwing that in. And uh, yeah, yeah, I do because I remember when that pick happened. You said mm. the Cowboys just gave away a top ten pick for Amari Cooper, and they're not going to be any better. Well, here we are. It was a bottom 10 pick. Well, what did you guys we, do in the playoffs? We won a playoff game. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, I congratulations. I hope you guys really enjoy the ring that comes with it. <laughs> okay, let's let's really get to what they picked. I'm, I don't take a lot of stock into the draft because about 75% of these guys are going to be dead to me in like a year. Wow. So That is it, harsh. It, it doesn't matter as much. But seriously. Okay, so round two, number 58 overall, Tristan Hill, D-tackle, UCF. Now, here's why... I was surprised by this pick. Typically, the Cowboys are really, really down to take that second-round risk. They really want to, you know, go out there, get a guy. Maybe he's troubled. Maybe he has injury problems. Maybe he was absent from the team. And they like to take him and his talent, and they like to put it in the system. This year, you know, Steven and Jerry were kind of like, we don't know if we can take that risk because, you know, we already spent our first-rounder, so we don't have that secure talent coming out that we can fill that spot with. But, I mean, Tristan Hill's kind of a risk, too. I think he only played one game yeah. for UCF last season. And you know what they're doing with his contract? What are they doing with this? So they have a clause in his contract where he has to show up to all these meetings, and, like, it's it's very weird. It's a, it's a part of a clause in a contract that no other rookies have signed in a long time. It's basically a clause in a contract that you have – 
veterans who have trouble of attending meetings sign. And that's what they're doing for a player that they just drafted, which is a concern. But they mm-hmm. love – listen, I'll give you this. Tristan Hill, he's got a great get-off. This guy's got a quick first step. And that's what really sold Jerry. And they needed a defensive tackle. Oh, they definitely did. And they needed to bolster the defensive line. Uh, D-Law's coming off shoulder surgery. I know we signed Robert Quinn. Yeah. Randy Gregory's up in the air. And then David Irving is in pot heaven. Yeah, pot heaven, smoking up, whatever he wants to Not do. Not a bad place to be. <laughs> And so you move on to round three, number 90, Connor McGovern, guard Penn State. This was kind of puzzling, too, because you look at the Connor Williams. I love that. You look at that. Well, well, give me a sec. You look at the Connor Williams pick last year, and you look at the security of the line, but then you go over to the other side, and there's Lyle Collins at tackle. Yeah. And you don't know. That's a little bit of a weak spot for Dallas. He's not played poor, but he's not the best on the line, on the line with Tyron Smith, Travis Frederick, he's Zach Martin. He's disappointed so far. He's disappointed so far. Possible that he could be traded. Possible that they could try to get rid of him, try to get rid of that salary. Maybe move McGovern to that tackle. But I think what's really important is it keeps Connor Williams honest. It's going to keep the Cowboys honest in finding between McGovern and Connor Williams, which is really going to be that best guard for this football team moving forward. And McGovern could play center as well a little bit. Yeah. I don't know if that helps them at all, but some teams, they yeah. like a guy well, it does who's... does help them, yeah. Who, yeah, especially if Travis Frederick Exactly. Has some teams like that, a guy who could play center and guard because it's another thing, but... Drew, I remember texting you when they when they drafted Connor McGovern. I thought it was a great pick. Yeah. I like the Jets to get him. And you got to understand this: this is a guy at Penn State. He's been tough, and he's blocked for two really good running backs. Yeah. And if you think about what the Dallas Cowboys love to do, it's run the ball with Zeke. Mm-hmm. He's protected Saquon Barkley for a few years, then Miles Sanders. So I think it's kind of like it's a good pick. This guy knows how to block for tough guys who want to run. And mm-hmm. when it came down to it, the, the Penn State they counted to run on McGovern's side as a guard a lot more than they yeah. did on the other side because they trusted him. So I think that's a great signing. And you know what? The Cowboys is one thing. They they pride themselves off of the offensive line. There's no problem with having more depth on that offensive line. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And we'll always take more. It's been something that they've been doing for the past decade. But you mentioned the running game, and that's something I want to transition into too. Tony Pollard running back out of Memphis in the fourth round, and Mike Weber in the seventh round. Kind of interesting to see Zeke Elliott and Mike Weber on the same football team. I like that. I'm, I'm I like way, Mike Weber. I'm way more excited to see Mike Weber play than Tony Pollard. Did they play I'm together? Saying. Did they play together at Ohio State? Yeah. Or did uh, Weber, yeah, yeah, yeah. Weber, Weber, Weber took over yeah. for Zeke when he left. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. So, so that's going to be interesting. I, I, I know that you know, it, it's not secure once again I hate talking about these guys because it's like who knows if they're even going to be here in like a week or so but I like what we did with our draft really wasn't that invested into it because our draft literally changed the entire course of the Dallas Cowboys season last year so if you really ask me like what the grade for this draft is it's an A plus because we spent our first rounder on a guy who basically saved the football team season completely revolutionized Okay, but just based off this draft without Amari Cooper without Amari Cooper if I have to grade a draft without um a first without a first round pick right uh I'd say this is like a this is like a B plus draft. A B plus. We, we invested. It's cool because we invested in units that need depth, secondary and defensive line, and that's important because the secondary and defensive line both have players that, if we find a diamond in the rough, can easily be replaced. We can easily replace some of those big D tackles we have if mm. Tristan Hill turns out to be great. Yep. We can easily replace a guy like Chidobi Awuzie, and we can replace um. Oh, What's his name? I hate him. Jeff Heath. Jeff I hate Heath. I hate Jeff I love Heath. Jeff Heath. I hate Jeff Heath. <laughs> Can't catch a ball to save his life. Heath. We can replace Jeff Heath back there. If one of these guys, you know, uh, safety Donovan Wilson, I don't know, Michael Jackson out of Miami, I, I give it a B-plus draft, partly because 
out of all the teams, I trust the Cowboys probably the most to draft because they're consistent with their drafting. But we'll just have to see. That's the whole caveat with the draft is sitting there. You don't know what it's really going to be. All righty. So we're going to put a bow on this. This is it from season one from Philly versus the world, guys. Great, great season. Really, really great season. It was a pleasure. I, I mean. What were some of your favorite moments? Favorite moments? Getting yelled at by yelling all the time. Yeah. By people. Yeah. Oh, by our nice Amelia Bedelia crew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was fun. Um, just, you know, coming in here and just, you know, spitting, spitting some sports with you guys. Just sitting here talking. You know, you know what was funny? His girlfriend, Drew's girlfriend, introduces herself to me at the bar. Says, hi, I'm Drew's girlfriend. I'm sorry, I forgot her name. Nadine. Nadine. I said, oh, hi, I'm John. Yeah, I know who you are. You yell at him all the time on the <laughs> podcast. I'm like, when the heck did I ever yell at him these past, like, 20 podcast episodes? How yeah. about, do I yell at you? No. Not no. as much as last year. No, I will give you that. I just came home. I came home, like, a few times. Like, uh, it was way earlier in the year. And she's like, who keeps yelling at you on those things? Oh, <laughs> like, really? I'm going I'm to beat his that's ass. That's so nice. <laughs> that, that's a nice girlfriend right there. She's a keeper. That's yeah. good. That's it. We're over. Sayonara. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next August. Well, this August. We will be back this August for season two, episode one. <laughs> with likely Take a, six. With likely a new host. <laughs> <laughs> oh, f- That's me. <laughs>